Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a podcast from The Bugle. Two households, both alike in dignity, in fair Verona where we lay our scene from ancient grudge break to new mutiny where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life whose misadventures, piteous overthrows, do with their death introduce the gargle. Relationship special. Welcome to The Gargle. This is the Sonic Colossi magazine, Google's audio newspaper for a visual world. All of the news, none of the politics. This week with a theme and a ticking clock. Uh, your guest editors for this week's special edition of The Gargle are Josh Gondelman. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm related to so many people. <laughs> and Tiff Stevenson. Hello. Hi. Listen, I mean, I'm an honest woman now because I'm married, so therefore, you know that I can't lie about any of these stories. (laughs) Before we uh, do the awkward side hug that is this week's top stories, let's have a look at the front cover of the magazine. The front cover is that meme of the jacked man arms, uh, but instead of arm wrestling, they're tenderly holding hands. And the headlines read, uh, who wears the pants in your, oh God, we've been cursed by a genie to only have one pair of pants between us relationship. (laughs) And uh, May-December relationships, how time travel can spice up your sex life. And boyfriend (laughs) or partner, boyfriend or partner, tips for dating a fellow detective. (laughs) As well as modern dating, you drinks diet soda, now try diet commitment. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, the satirical cartoon is just uh, one of those New Yorker cartoons of a man and a woman sitting awkwardly in a living room, but there's no conversation bar and they're just both on their phones. <laughs> Trenchant. Cutting. <laughs> with, the, with the headline for that, that I, I'll make it New Yorker, modern romance. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think you can get a relationship, keep a relationship cruising that is otherwise completely unsustainable if you share taste in Netflix documentaries you can keep that shit going for like a good 10 years without ever having to have a conversation (laughs) we'll talk through the programs we watch that's right (laughs) and top story this week is taking a break from love and this is uh, a question about whether 2024 is the year of the relationship sabbatical josh gondelman you're in a Mm -hmm. long-term relationship can you unpack this story for us of course. So it's it, there's there's a new 
trend that, that's on the horizon of people in long-term romantic relationships taking a sabbatical from one another, taking a, some time apart to for absence to make the heart grow fonder. And call me old-fashioned, but... Uh, back when I, in, in my day, when you wanted to miss someone that you loved, you'd go out and get a job and you'd <laughs> be away from them all day and you'd see them at night. One of the greatest celebrity practitioners of this, right, this kind of the trendsetter is Pierce Morgan and, and his wife. Um, although anything, right, they, they said their relationship is better for having spent time apart. Although anything <laughs> could be made better by spending six weeks away from Pierce Morgan. Using <laughs> him as a test case, the best way to be happy in any relationship or any situation would be divorce. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, Piers Morgan's name is an anagram of divorce material. <laughs> That's right. And so there are kinds of ins and outs uh pun intended, to this yeah. situation and a, a lot of um, nuance, right? Because some people think it's just time to spend a part in solitude while other people consider it time to explore um, non-monogamy. And I travel a lot for work and I do miss my wife when I go away and I'm excited to see her when I come back. But I don't consider that a sabbatical. Like we're still married when I'm not around. <laughs> sabbatical makes it sound like you're practicing ethical non-monogamy without doing the ethical part. You're just like, yeah, I'm taking a break from this. It says in this article, there's a couple of interesting points. It says um you can it's it it occurs especially in the summer. Um but uh, can also take place during the Christmas season when each partner has to travel to different places to see their respective families. No, you have a stressful December like everyone else. Mm. You're not allowed to just go <laughs> do what you want. That's the whole point. That's why Christmas is stressful. You have to figure it out. But it says in this that in the Middle Ages, apparently wealthy married women who wanted to spend time alone retreated to convents. Now, I don't know whether that means the Middle Ages, like the 13 or the 1400s, or when men are middle-aged, because if so, then I get it. <laughs> I get retreating to a convent when your man turns middle age because we got married and then all of a sudden my husband started engaging in middle age behavior. He has sounds now that he didn't have. Like when he gets up out of the chair, he makes a noise. You know that noise that Louis Vega makes at the end of Mumbo number five where he goes, ah! that's, that's the sound my husband makes when he gets up out of a chair so i just i think these women were just trying to escape the middle-aged sounds their husbands were making and fair play or snoring <laughs> to be fair in the middle ages if you wanted to take a six-month sabbatical from your husband you'd just send him to the next village to get some milk <laughs> <laughs> it, using the mambo number five metaphor and and talking about convents does that mean uh, Angela, Sandra, Rita, etc. That's the names of the other nuns. Yes, yeah, they're all in there. It's sweeter for Rita. <laughs> A little bit of Monica <laughs> in in silence. <laughs> A little bit of Erica practicing solitude. Sorry. Yeah. Now I'm just remembering all the names. Well, uh, there's a personal relation and relationship coach in in this article called I Know Espejo. And uh, she explains in a, that in a society that is so, you know, full of promptness and speed, we, we should take pauses and periodically reevaluate our lives and freely decide each day whether we want to continue sharing our path with our partner, which sounds to me 
like the most like to, to, to decide on a day-to-day basis whether you want to be with the person you're with <laughs> absolutely unhinged who is this person yeah you can't re-up a day at a time <laughs> i know a lot of people whose marriages would last like four weeks total <laughs> well that's it it could be in the morning you could be like i'm not going to renew this contract but by the afternoon they've done something really nice or you've said sorry and then it's fine again I mean, <laughs> even a phone contract lasts longer than that come on <laughs> but also it it says you set the rules can we sleep with other people will we tell each other afterwards that's just polyamory that's just like right. fight like and i don't want to hear about it not in a mean way i just <laughs> anyone that's polyamorous always wants to tell me about it it's like they don't just want multiple sexual partners they also want multiple people to hear about their polyamory <laughs> See, I feel like this is more like the plastic surgery of polyamory. Is like you only notice the ones who are constantly telling you about it. True, like, that's true. right. There's probably that's right. plenty of quiet polyamorous people that are not um, uh, not not saying it and then maintaining eye contact with me. So just so you know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I, I'm not, but cool. As you were, <laughs> as you were. No judgment on your choices. Let's keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> your ad section now because you can't be what you can't buy wine is just a bottle of murdered grapes if you really want to impress that special someone and that special someone is grapes order something more sophisticated order half a glass of water half a glass of water good for you better for grapes <laughs> and this episode of the podcast is brought to you by arranged marriages no 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 wait a minute we know arranged marriages are a touchy subject but we didn't when we named our company it's just a wedding organization business we already had all the signs and business cards done and we can't <laughs> afford to get them redone so please ignore the name and let arranged marriages plan your wedding arranged marriages we didn't know <laughs> And a new novel is out by self-published romance maven and online bestseller, Dancy Lagarde. Wings of Smoke and Lust is the first <laughs> in the Alien Fairy Abduction series. He's a grieving alien warrior. She's a sassy single mom with a chip on her shoulder. When he's sent to recruit her in a, into an elite alien dragon fighter academy, she makes his life a living hell. Clea Linda is... <laughs> An A-type work-from-home advertising executive who takes no business prisoners. Her only soft spot is her toddler daughter. She's over men. They're so last season, and she doesn't have time for this shit. Jason is a seven-foot-tall elite alien SAS warrior chosen by the intergalactic elven dragon lord to head his recruiting team, which means identifying those of the royal dragon-taming blood and bringing them to the elite dragon fighter academy. His whole job is taking prisoners. Join Clea, Linda, and Jason in their passionate... Aliens to co-parents to lovers journey as they learn together what it means to fall in love, dragon fight, and deal with an adorable toddler, all while an intergalactic fairy war threatens to interfere with their increasingly inventive bang time activities. When the two of them find out that Jason is actually the bastard half-brother of the current elven Lord of Night, things start to get complicated. Mm -hmm. And sexy. Find out how. <laughs> In Wings of Smoke and Lust, available now in all underpants drawers. I feel like, um, you know, not to not to poke fun at our advertisers, because I know that's where who puts uh, <laughs> food on the table. But uh, I do think 
sexy is usually implied with it's complicated. <laughs> when people are like, what, how, what's your relationship? You're like, it's complicated. You only say that if you're sleeping with someone. You're ever like, oh, um, that's my dad, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we don't talk about it. He's my first cousin. That's fine, right? Yeah. Second cousin once removed. Yeah, it's kind of complicated. I forget who's who. And that brings us to our next top story. Our next top story is a workout for your relationship. Um, this is a new spin on relationship management, uh, more in terms of just interpersonal connection. Uh, Tiff Stevenson, you've spun around before. Can you unpack this story? I'm a us? huge spinner. Oh, I like running around in a little circle. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Um, from two spin class pioneers comes a workout for your relationships. What fresh hell is this? Is the article headline. And uh, I'm going with bench press your love life, stretch your friendships. Those are just my ideas for marketing. Um, and it's the team behind Soul Cycle, so obviously the phenomenally successful fitness brand uh, franchise. They've created this thing called Peoplehood, which is a company that invites strangers to attend 60-minute discussion groups called Gathers, which used to be like you know <laughs> Town Square. Like that sounds like like you know not Town Square, but like um, town hall meetings. <laughs> They're called Gathers. Um, and Soul Cycle was very much sort of aimed at women who wanted encouragement during their workout because you'd be doing well, Soul Cycle. Well, well or, I mean, or, Soul Cycle is just when you'd want to go for a bike ride where you can't run away from the person who's screaming at you, right? Well, it's supposed <laughs> to be empowering slogans, though, right? So that's what gets <laughs> shouted out during Soul Cycle. So presumably at this gathering, you're going to get, you are listening really well. You go, girl. Or I am a yes ander. I am a yes ander. So, um, it says in the blurb, we laugh, we learn, we get to know ourselves better. Uh, most of all, we support each other as we continue to grow. Just book tickets to a comedy gig. You want to laugh and get to know yourself and learn. Just buy, don't spend £160 to join a thing called Peoplehood. Peoplehood. And so they're, they're going to be meetings. They're going to be meeting up. And it's for you to work on your stretch your relationship muscles, guys. Um, get to know, get to know people. I can't critique this too hard because it sounds like exactly like what I do in my salons, which is <laughs> just talk. We just have a chat. Yeah. Look, I this is not a you thing because like th this is the soul cycle people, right? So instead of um, bikes, you just get in a room with strangers and you share intimate secrets, I, which I think <laughs> is very efficient, right? They're cutting out the inconvenient middleman of exercise <laughs> and just going straight to the being a cult part of Soul Cycle. <laughs> um, and I think it's good, right? Because I think what group therapy uh, really needs is fewer pesky credentials getting in the way of the people running it. It should just be run by anyone who has abs. That's who I think should be in charge of group therapy. And they call it... I, I think the name of it is so bad. People heard is like, uh, sure, it definitely sounds a little animalistic, right? And they call each session a gather, which does make me want to hunt them. <laughs> I think it's peoplehood, like neighborhood. Oh, peoplehood. I'm sorry. Peoplehood. Personhood. Oh, that's, peoplehood. that's even... 
Peoplehood is even scarier. Yeah. Yeah, like peoplehood. Like it's just like oh it's just like where like where then, what yeah, people was... where the human race now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like uh then we got into the dark alleyway where no one witnessed and he re- he removed his peoplehood <laughs> what lay beneath. Yeah, also, a skin like a skin mask. If this is being run by the Soul Cycle people, what they're going to shout you the new conversation topic while they play increasingly loud techno music in the background. So Which is a great scream. situation for cultivating intimacy with strangers, right? Just lights <laughs> flashing, techno thumping, and you're just yeah. like, I just don't feel like you listen. And you're like, yeah, I can't f***ing <laughs> hear you. Dancing with you in the summer rain. Like, f***. <laughs> I think I'm in love. Yeah. Is that what you did with her? <laughs> it's um they they've said that they don't have need any qualifications. So, you know, it's just going to be people who it will just be influencers. So, this, this is just going to be like a, you know, an Instagram live where you get you get bad advice from people who are good looking. Which is what we all want. <laughs> what they're describing, right? Loud music. Uh, you know, like soul, the soul cycle environment without exercise is either the loudest, worst AA meeting of all time or <laughs> the soberest bar you've ever been to. I mean, it's not even a, a like, even if they are, if they'd have said we're doing a debate club, I could almost like see the kind of, you know, the, I guess the attraction to that. For people mm-hmm. who want to kind of have conversational discourse and kind of take it offline a little bit and go, this is a bit too short and snappy. Why don't we have mm-hmm. a ideas panel or a discussion and you can pay to come to that and you'll definitely get to be involved if you're, you know, uh, and and sort of have your say. Like a kind of like a speaker's corner, but because it's in New York, it's bound to be in some, you know, classy members only joint you know so it's like mm-hmm. an upmarket speakers corner scream your opinions <laughs> not into the wind into a room full of canapes like oh. i can almost get it like if it was that but this this sounds like it's just i mean what's a what is a gather what is a gather that's a great question i mean it truly sounds like what they're they're having some kind of support group uh that that's just with the least supportive environment possible. <laughs> what was the app where everyone was just audio only and everyone came oh, on? Oh, Clubhouse. Clubhouse. This sounds like an in-person version of Clubhouse, which like tried to be like very like in, like you need an invitation to get into Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And then when you get in there, it's supposed to be like, these conversations are like, you know, just for free conversation, flowing conversation, that then everything that was said on Clubhouse Here's going to be the problem with with peoplehood. I can tell you right now. Then ended up on Twitter and being reported everyone everywhere else. Mm-hmm. It was like so and so said this on Clubhouse last night. So the idea that you could just kind of pop on, say a thing, and then go, oh, this is like when you have a conversation and you're in a room, and then that just be- becomes a conversation that you know, um, and it's now everywhere. It's going to be the peoplehood meetings or the personhood meetings will be national headlines probably. All these new, like, disruptors and founders and, you know, these aren't tech people, but, like, they're they're in that space of, like, founding these new companies that always just invent things that we have already. <laughs> and so they've, they're just, like, this is just a party, right? Like, that's... What if social media, but in real life? Yeah, you're like, we had that before and we still have that. <laughs> 
And that brings us to our Agony Aunt section. In a regular episode of The Gargle, we would have our review section here, but because this is our special relationships episode, we're going to talk uh, to our people. We've had we've received a few questions for our relationship experts here. Uh, one from Lockie, who says, I'm just building my first dating site profile after a long-term relationship breakup. What is the current number of puns to smuggle in for maximum impact? Uh, I would say zero. <laughs> wow. I have, a, I have a low tolerance unless they come from people who are exceptionally good at puns. So mm. that tends to be like other comics. But like if they're going to if you're going to dad pun in there, like I'm not going to be like, you know, I feel like it depends on if you're representing yourself. If you are somebody who cannot resist a pun in everyday life, I feel like you should be open about that uh, because that's not a thing you want to you want to reveal later on mm -hmm. and find is a deal breaker because it's the kind of thing that could be a deal breaker. Mm -hmm. I'm really kind of fixated on, uh, excuse me, the idea of maximum impact, right? That was what the question was. <laughs> How many puns should I include for maximum impact? And they didn't specify like a positive impact, a negative <laughs> just impact. An impact. <laughs> so I think if you're trying to go just fully undateable, you got to hit 10 at least, 10 puns, unmissable. Because the thing about a subtle pun is that people might miss it, right? Because it, it, the wordplay might go over their head. So you want to really hammer it home so they know that you know that you're doing it on purpose. That you're a pun um, guy. Mm -hmm. If you're looking, <laughs> yes, that you're a pun guy. <laughs> right, exactly. I already ate. So, aha, aha. so maximum <laughs> impact, for, if negative impact, 10. Maximum positive <laughs> impact, I think one that's personal to you. <laughs> you can't be spraying out puns that could come from any uh any dweeb on the street you want a pun that feels like it's relevant to your life so that they get to know you a little better you, you want to get andy to write you a pun run so they have to be they do i i i'd say the opposite i'd go you Ooh. gotta go you gotta go top notch for them because that's but that's just my personal taste like i can take puns from a limited amount of people mm -hmm. and they have to be very good puns and occasionally i pun and then i hate myself a little when i pun mm. I feel like the, the, the nature of puns is that they, uh, on one hand, they're like a fun little game you're playing with words, and on the other hand, they reveal a deep chasm between uh, our idea that there can be any meaning in reality <laughs> and the possibility that all meaning is under, undermined. So every pun is, is, a, is a glimpse into the void uh, because you, you think it means one thing, but it could mean another, and what does anything mean? Uh, after all, I think Josh has really put his finger on, on this here with the maximum impact part of this question, <laughs> um, which I think so much of the rhetoric directed, uh, particularly at men, about dating is is this like, you've got to be looks maxed, you've got to be six foot tall and earn six figures and have six pack abs and you're competing with these like incredibly aggressive dudes for the attention of a select group of women when in fact... All you need to do is be better than dying alone. And so few men are cultivating, like, just, can I Bring be better energy. than an evening alone? <laughs> like, really, if she's got Jack Reacher and a can of fizzy drink, what can I add to this scenario? That's, uh, that's, a, good, that's a good base point. That's a good starting point. And... What what I'm realizing now is that Jack Reacher is a pretty good name for a vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this Jack reaches the 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. The that... all the relevant parts. <laughs> well, it's a, a gentler version of Jack Hammer, I guess. I'm, I'm rethinking my pun thing because I'm thinking there are some. It really depends because there are some that there are some puns that, and I think it's because I can't get away with doing them when I look like I'm doing a pun. It's so obvious. I feel like it. it heads towards a grove <laughs> like that's part of my thing of it it's like i'm not very skilled around the puns but some are better written and some can only live in the misinterpretation because as soon as you spell the word you know then that kind of messes up the pun so you've really a lot of thought has got to go into this well accents as well yeah i do sincerely think that between like a, a hybrid of what Alice and Tiff are saying is like legitimately great advice, right? Like Tiff, what you're saying is like put your best foot forward. Don't just be spraying puns around like <laughs> like dandelion seeds, right? Like that's not that's not effective. And then Alice, you're saying be yourself, right? And I think that is the dating advice, right? It's like be yourself, but like not like you're like Wednesday self. <laughs> be your like <laughs> be your like Saturday morning self where you're like ah, I'm well rested, I have the whole day ahead of me, right? Be the best the best you that you think you can replicate indefinitely until death. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a question from Jimmy No Grok. Uh, my girlfriend had to leave her apartment. I said she could stay at my duplex uh, for a bit. And 16 months later, she hates my kids and basically everything I do but won't leave until she finds a house. Should I build her a house? I think you should start charging her rent. <laughs> Because mm. she doesn't sound like she wants to go out with you, but you are a useful living situation. Sounds like you've got a lodger. Yeah, you don't sound like a boyfriend. You're a landlord now. Yeah. She's like the butternut <laughs> squash that I have in my kitchen that I buy with a full intent to use <laughs> and then just end up with an unpaid lodger for six to nine months because I can <laughs> never cook the butternut squash or mm-hmm. work out what to do with it. So I think start charging her rent. Don't build yeah, this a house. is the danger of the modern world in which uh, housing is increasingly unaffordable. You might just end up to, uh, married to someone purely because they live in the right neighborhood for you to get to work. Let's. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, <laughs> a, a commute-based marriage, which is not usually when people say marriage of convenience, they don't usually mean of subway lines or bus lines. But that's a new way to think about it. Here's luck. Oh, I think, it's close to the only bodega that has the cheese I like. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Jimmy Nogrock, I think you've got to, in this situation, you got to put yourself first, right? Think about your needs. You're thinking about building her a house. Build you a house. Leave her with this old one. <laughs> Should you build her a house? You're building her a new house to get her out of your house? No, build yourself the good new house and let her stay in the old one that she's spoiled with her bad vibes. But also pay rent. Yeah, be the hermit crab you've always wanted <laughs> yes. to be. Oh, yeah, yeah, You don't just give her the old house. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I mean, maybe this is a lesson I need to learn. All of us in relationships, just be shitty with someone and their entire family and they'll build you a house just to get rid of you. <laughs> if you're listening and you're wondering how to get someone to build you a house, apparently it turns out all you've got to just do is move in and be disagreeable. Well, I feel also this is leaving out questions like, uh, does he know how to build a house? Mm. <laughs> um, is this more efficient than just finding her a new house? <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, it is pretty sexy if a man knows how to build a house. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found this at gigs. Like a, there was a there was an engineer and and a guy who built houses. And honestly, the way the women in the audience responded, it was like, oh, my God, man with real job. 
Like, and I don't know, like, <laughs> like a man that can build it. I think there are certain type of men. I've said this before. My husband is one of them. So I'm quite lucky with that. Is there a certain type of men who look at a lump of wood and go, what can I make out of that? Mm-hmm. So they have that kind of sort of mindset that, that, that they always want to build or craft or make. I don't know whether it's like a prehistoric urge when they see a lump of wood. But I, but I kind of like that. I do like, you know, if you can build houses, Jimmy, I would say get out there because there's probably quite a few women Oh yeah, interested you interested in a man who can you, build houses. And honestly, you build this house for this woman. One, she's out of your house. Two, it's a real proof of concept to show the other <laughs> women what kind of guy you are. It's the bird of paradise mating dance <laughs> of modern life. I have the opposite thing. I see a lump of wood. I'm like, ah, that's a great place to leave my mail for six months until I decide to open it. <laughs> Just right on top of that. I am, not to brag, I am marginally handier than my wife. And I, that's how I try to stay. Like, um, <laughs> as long as I can open the the stuck Talenti gelato container I, then I'm useful in my marriage. As long as I can reach the light bulb that needs changing, I'm truly 12% handier than my wife. And and I'm just ahead. That's far ahead of curve. Like I used to teach. I was I used to be a, a Spanish teacher and I was not fluent in Spanish, but I did know 12% more than my students. And that kept me at that job for just two years. Just aim for that 12%. That's the Josh Gondelman advice. Mm-hmm. Be a 12 percenter. Right. <laughs> That's like a like a turbocharged new Islam. I think also, I mean, he's my husband is better than a lot of stuff that me. Like he's a an amazing cook, so you know, there's just stuff that he. But I have n- not really. I'm artsy, but I'm not really crafty. crafty? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People lump arts and crafts together too much. Those are not the same. Yeah, so he can he can do the crafty bits. I may have mentioned this before on this very podcast, but I, I come back to it because there's uh, where I've moved to now, there is a crystal shop just around the corner, Ooh. and it is the location of some of the best dialogue I've ever heard. Uh, one time passing by, a guy was like, this crystal is a thousand times more powerful than the other crystal. Uh <laughs> You can just say that. <laughs> and the and the other one, which is more relevant to this example, was a, a lady talking to another lady outside the crystal shop. And she said, you know, witchcraft is more of an art than a science. <laughs> and I had to resist so hard the urge to say, it's a craft, ladies. It's in the name. <laughs> With, yeah, they don't call it witch science. <laughs> no. But you get to have a fair either way. Science or craft, you can have a fair. <laughs> and that brings us to our next story, uh, which is actually relevant to Jimmy Nogrock. Uh, this is uh, uh, three reasons why people enter into sugar relationships, which is to say uh, relationships where one person is uh, the sugar mama or the sugar dada or the sugar non-binary parent, mm-hmm. I assume. Uh Josh Gondelman, you like a little sugar in your tea. Can you unpack this story for us? <laughs> yeah. So this is this is really a deep dive into uh, why people would enter into a relationship where one person gets sex and the other person gets money and commodities. And it says there's three reasons, right? And the first two kind of right off rip, sex and money. Um, those feel like pretty <laughs> compelling reasons. And then I guess the third one is duh. Um, and <laughs> this is kind of the only 
genre of romantic relationship where we don't need to study why people do it. It is right there in the premise, right? Um, This is my question that's not answered in the article. I've never known if the sugar part is the sex or the money, right? Like, are you the sugar daddy because you're providing sugar or receiving the sugar. And if a guy were like a, 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 a Splenda daddy, does that mean he pays his <laughs> companion by taking on debt because he doesn't actually have the money or he only receives hand jobs through several layers of fabric? <laughs> but this is this article. I mean, they just must have really been scraping the bottom of the barrel to, you, to put this one together. You've uncovered the Rorschach. Is it Rorschach? I can't mm-hmm. say it. The Rorschach test of what a sugar daddy is. It just it depends on what you see. <laughs> when, when someone says sugar daddy or sugar mama, what mm-hmm. what it, what do you, what do you think it is? I like to. I prefer to call those um, sugar daddy. I use the. Um, I prefer to use the term marry an eighty-five year old, grease the stairs, and shout fire. That's my version <laughs> of that. Um, <laughs> I like to. Uh, I like to think of um, the possibility of a stevia baby who will take money, but they'll like really obviously fake every orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> A stevia, a stevia partner who's uh, 100% more carcinogenic than the sugar-based <laughs> variety. Then, of course, there's a, there's a honey baby. And that's like, uh, you know, people uh, acknowledge sex work is valid work. But vegans, some have a problem with the honey baby. <laughs> <laughs> and also, if you, don't, if, you, if you don't do the honey baby properly, you end up covered in bees. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend, I'm not going to name the name, but um, she sort of had a string of these guys and she called them her her minions and uh, would just get them to send her money and stuff and would then kind of reply going, thanks, minion. They were three feet tall with one eye and wore overalls, right? <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so obviously, because it's kind of like, why do people do this? We go, well, people out there are lonely. And have a lot of money or enough money to do it. So they find it to be a mutually, you know, um, I think a lot of hers were like married middle-aged men, though, which made me feel get the ick. Mm. (laughs) I think if both parties are aware of what they're entering into, then I think, you know, that's a it's kind of like a it's the the kind of what's interesting about it, I suppose, is that these kind of um, I don't want to say points or relationships, but these kind of. These things exist in relationships anyway, but they're just kind of slightly more unspoken. Oh, sure. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. not that I you expect, you I like, not that I expect one thing to get another thing, but, you know, you do kind of, the idea that you haven't, like, not had sex with someone because you're pissed off and in an argument with them. <laughs> like, the <laughs> idea that there's not, like, an exchange or a power dynamic or a, or something like that in a relationship, that these are kind of things that you sort of are constantly negotiating. This just seems like a more very upfront way of doing it. Right. I mean, it it just feels like th- this is such a clear, and this is not no insult to anyone in an arrangement like this but it's almost like going like mm, why do why what's the what's the basis of a restaurant diner relationship and you're like well you you're hungry so you go into the diner and you pay money and then the restaurant gives you the food and then you're like great that's then you well i guess we're done here yeah i feel like people uh, sort of who disapprove of uh, sugar 
parent relationships um, mm-hmm. either disapprove of them because of the power dynamic or they disapprove of them because they prefer to have mystery in their relationship. I, for example, quite like uh, every morning's uh, search for affection to be in the form of a treasure hunt with a series <laughs> of buried clues and increasingly uh, cryptic people hidden around corners like uh, where in the world is Carmen San Diego telling me where to find my partner for breakfast. <laughs> well, it's like making coffee in the morning, right? You know, like that, let's put, make it a non-sexual exchange. Like if my husband makes me coffee in the morning, if I don't say thanks or kiss him, chances are I'm probably not going to get a coffee the next morning because it's quite rude if someone's done something for you, like make a coffee and bring it to you for you not to even say thank you or for you to reciprocate. So it's like kind of like an exchange like that. Just a, a, a more, you know, I don't want to have to draw up a contract for that shit. our final top story for today is that one third of japan's unmarried adults under 50 have never dated this is a study that's come out of uh, a staffing service group that's been doing surveys on people's views on marriage since 2017 apparently um, more than a third of unmarried adults in their 20s to 40s have never been in a relationship uh, in japan Josh Gondelman, yeah. you've been in a relationship. Can you unpack this story for us? So uh, 34% of Japan's adults uh, in their 20s through 40s have never dated, which I think, was, you know, that's romantic. They're saving it for marriage. Um, but it goes beyond this, right? 26% of those surveyed were not even seeking marriage. They don't want to get married at all, even in the face of a slow birth rate and a labor shortage. And and I think there's a simple solution, right, to inst- rather than putting these uh, national issues on people who aren't dating. Old people, you got to start f***ing again. Uh, <laughs> you want grandkids? Make them yourself. That's, that's not my problem. <laughs> you get on it. Um, the top reason that men gave for not wanting to get married was the financial strain of being in a long-term relationship. And the top reason that women gave was not wanting to give up their freedom. So honestly, this study is also an explanation for why sugar relationships are so popular. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a lot of critiques. Uh, apparently, it's a culturally very normal for women to give up their jobs when they get married uh, in Japan. And so if you had to choose between uh, your job and uh, a relationship, maybe you would uh, avoid the relationship. But uh, look, I don't know. I think um, I think everyone should just be randomly assigned someone to marry and uh, then you just deal with the consequences. This is, you're just, okay, you have to acknowledge if you're speaking on behalf of your sponsor, Arranged Marriages. Yes, let's say. <laughs> Otherwise, this is some kind of violation of consumer no, no, I think it should be like a lottery. You just put your name in and then you roll the dice. Well, and, that uh, already happens with your parents. <laughs> so I think, I think you've got to have one that feels like it's with some kind of vague free will. and that brings us to the end of our show this week i'm flipping through the ad section at the back tiff have you got anything to plug this fine february oh this fine february what will i plug i will plug uh my show at leicester comedy festival that's coming up um my new show called uh brave new tiffany um, it's kind of like brave new world where i try and solve all the world's problems and ask is it is it moving to Mars? 
Uh, you can probably guess what my answer to that would be. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's, um, I think that's at the Firebug in Leicester. But if you go onto my Twitter and Instagram, all the dates and everything are on there. Uh, and if you want to listen to any episodes of Catharsis, they are all available. So go have a listen. Um, everyone who's on this podcast has been a guest. So enjoy. And Josh, what have you got uh, for our people? I write a newsletter called That's Marvelous, full of pep talks every Monday. Um, currently, let's say you can find it at joshgondelman.substack.com or my website, joshgondelman.com. That'll be a link there. Um, and I'm on the road a bunch coming up. I think by the time that this publishes, I can say I will be in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, March 1st and 2nd. I will be in uh, uh, Bloomington, Indiana, March uh, 28th. 9th and 30th and then New Orleans Louisiana the following uh, April 5th and 6th and then I'm uh, taping a comedy special in New York in June I think I can say by now at June 21st at the Bell House yeah so come out see that but and, and then subscribe to my newsletter that whenever I go anywhere I'll tell you about it there first excellent uh, you can find me online at patreon.com slash Alice Fraser it's a one-stop shop for all of my stand-up specials, which you get for free now, including Kronos and Twist, available on Go Faster Stripe for the low, low price of £10, or via my Patreon for free. We also do weekly salons and weekly writers' meetings, though not this month, because hmm. I uh, am not here. <laughs> <laughs> I will be in baby dimension for the whole of February. But after that, um, back online at patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. This is a Bugle podcast and Alice Fraser production. Your editor is Ped Hunter. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. I'll talk to you again next week. You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, Catharsis, Tiny Revolutions, Top Stories and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>